Hey, thanks for joining us here on the House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about the house, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the house app. To be honest with you, I need a standing ovation. I need one. For those of you who got drug around in the heat, what did she just say? 21 events in six different days, all because of Stephen's idea. Let me tell you, you should have had him 20 years ago when Terry and I had him. When you get put out with him, when you get frustrated with him, when you get aggravated with him, don't call me. I tell you what, you should have known him 20 years ago. And I thought, and you know, I need to stand in ovation. I lived through. I lived through them living in our house. I, I tell you, um, Stephen and Katie have, um, and, and I, I, I'm involved in what God's called me to do in lots of churches, in lots of ministries, and it's it's rare for you to have a pastor the quality of Stephen and Katie. That's a rare thing. They come and they go and they flit in and they flit out and they blow in and blow up and. And they're on down the road. And, and to have people, the quality of Stephen and Katie, and, and the stories about Stephen are legendary around our place, things that happened that shouldn't have <laughs> happened. But let me just tell you, here's what I can tell you for sure. From, from the moment he drove up, he was 100% about touching somebody with the presence of the Lord, about seeing somebody's marriage change, somebody's relationship with their kid change. He was all out about seeing a teenager get set free, get a teenager get turned around and get on the right track for their life. And in all that Stephen has done, I can just tell you, I'm rarely around to anybody that, that's got that dramatic of a call on their life and willing to, ad, willing to submit to that call. Stephen and Katie, y'all are admirable people. And you guys are blessed to have them as your pastor. Y'all are blessed to have them as your pastor. I can just tell you, very, very blessed. So when you're very, very frustrated because of all of his new ideas and all this stuff, don't call me. <laughs> we lived through it 20 years. Uh, and I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher. I, I speak all the time. And let me just take just a quick minute. I want to make sure we get our thinking straight here. Um, I, I'm sick and tired of people getting in their cars after church and talking about the long-winded preacher. I'm tired of that. Here's what you say. That music just went on and on and on. I thought that music would never say, wow, the announcement people, they, but don't blame it on the preacher. See, I'm just going to preach my deal. We would have got out a lot sooner had they moved through the service and got it to me 30 minutes ago. So don't get in the car and talk about long-winded preachers. Get in the car and talk about all the other stuff that drug on forever. My part is good here. Are you all ready to receive the word? It's no doubt about it. I mean, no doubt about it. We are... We're in a strange and difficult time to navigate through. This is a difficult time. Very, very strange. Uh, I, I'm uncertain. You know, in the hotel, the people putting their mask on, taking it off. Wait, do I have it? You know, and hanging from one ear and down, putting it under their throat. And you know, I. And this is a difficult time. Difficult time. But here's what I want to make sure that we all know, and that we all keep in mind. There's always been difficult times. Since, the, since God put man on this earth, there have always been difficult, very difficult times. And let me just tell you this. 
not to be a naysayer, there will continue to be difficult times because we live in this world. And there are things that we will have to, oh my God, what's happening? It's just, well, to put it like the Bible says, think it not a strange thing. Think it not a strange thing, go through difficult times. So don't think this is such a strange thing. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, it's not fun. Yes, we're having to navigate through this, but, but it's not a strange thing. This is, it's, it's, nothing happens to us that's not common to all men. From cover to cover, the Bible tells us things happen. Things happen. The main thing is, and, and the main word I have for you is you stay in church, stay connected to church, stay being active in church, stay being a contributing part of church, because I, just let you in, I've read the end of the story. The church prevails. And, and you need to know that. I don't know what all has happened. I'm not sure what we're happening right now. I don't. Every time I turn on the TV, I get somebody with a different report. They don't even know what's happening right now. But here's what I do know. In the end, the church wins. See, the church prevails. And so the last... Well, I don't even know if I want to go to church. I know this is the only place I know for sure I want to be. Now, we may have to stand against the wall or stand out in the parking lot or not shake hands or something. But here's what I'm telling you. I'm going to be in church. I'm going to be given in church. I'm going to be putting my efforts in church. I'm going to be plugged into church. I'm going to be a vital part of church because the church wins and I want to be on the winning team. When all the dust settles, the church prevails. And I'm not just telling you this. Just look in history. The church has always prevailed. Through everything it's gone through, the church is still here. Through all that we've been through, the church is still here. So you stay plugged in church. This is not a time to shrink back from church. This is a time to really push forward in church like never before. Stay in church. You're going to be okay and you're going to come out on the winning side of this. You know, in the midst of this strange time that we are in, I, I like you, we've got to process this. I can wrap my mind around this. I've got to, okay, what do I think about this? What do I think about tearing down historical figures or monuments? I mean, what, what do I think about, you know, I'm seeing this happen. Okay, well, what do I think about removing history or rewriting history? What's my thought about all that we're seeing happen right now? The, the truth is, a lot of our history is bad. The truth is, a lot of our history is very wrong. When you look back in history, there's a lot of things that should have never happened. That should have never been tolerated. That should have never been put up with. That should have never happened. When you look back in history, you will always see things that happened that shouldn't have happened. And here's what I can tell you. 150 years from now, when they're looking back here on us, they're going to be, I can't believe they let that happen. Why did the church, why did the pastors let just sit there in their blessed assurance and let that happen? And so every generation, when you look back over your shoulder, we're all going to always seeing things that should have never happened. Why? Because we live in an imperfect world with imperfect people. And so you're always going to see things that should not have happened. Now, some great leaders in the past, not perfect by any means, not perfect, not saying they're perfect, and we're not worshiping them as perfect, very flawed, but still a great leader in your job in your marriage, in this church, you've got to learn to see good and bad. And you've got to measure on the good. 
You got to learn from the bad and you got to move forward. I'm not going to tear up my marriage just because there's some bad that happened. I'm not going to quit my job just because some bad that happened. So I'm going to, okay, let me learn from that, benefit from that, and move forward in life. But by me not, by me not tearing it down doesn't mean that I agree with everything that happened. It's impossible to rewrite history. That'd be lying. History happened. There's no changing it. It happened. So our job is to benefit from it. Benefit from it. Uh, there are things that went wrong and, and we've had problems in our marriage. I don't want to forget those. I want to always remember those so that I don't ever do that again. So that I don't ever say that again. I'm not ever going to walk in and talk to her in that tone of voice again. See, I want to benefit from that. Whether it was good or whether it was bad, I want to benefit from that. Well, we're here to look at our area of life. And 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 there's some things in my own life that I said, okay, how am I, how am I handling this? How am I processing? All this started me thinking. I was ordained in 1973. So I've been preaching 47 years. I've never preached a sermon on Judas Iscariot. I've never preached a sermon. In fact, I never mentioned him. The only time I mention him is at the Christmas play or at the Easter play in church. And when we're reading the story of Jesus' life, the only time I ever did the Easter play, we read, read about what he did. But I never preached a sermon about Judas Iscariot. fact is, I've been guilty of taking that part of history out myself. I don't like it. I don't agree with what he did. So I want to ignore that completely and just act like he didn't live. But it's a dangerous thing to block out any part of history that we don't like. Because there's things we need to learn from it. The title of today's message is Lessons from Judas. Rather than tear this monument down like I have, he was one of the twelve. He, he was one of the twelve. Now, some unpleasant things that he did, but he was one of the twelve. Judas, the man that for 30 pieces of silver had the regiment follow him and he told him, the man I kiss, get him. And you talk about a cold, wicked heart. Now you talk about a wicked... Think about that. The man I kiss is him. I've never preached a sermon on Judas. His name is avoided. And we've all heard this. We've all heard it said. If you don't remember history, then you're doomed to repeat history. So out of this... This is not a historical figure that I admire. What can I get out of there? Title today is Lessons from Judas. Let's look at this. Judas was selected by Jesus as one of the twelve. One of the twelve people that would live with Jesus and travel with him. Live with Jesus and... that let that soak in are you kidding or wow you're one of the twelve. now think about this the crowd's all falling i mean thousands in here and people pressing in and and you and jc get on the boat and here we go you're one of the guys on the boat 
floating off, waving at all the wannabes out there. I mean, you're talking about feeling good about yourself. Thousands of people. Matthew 10, 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples together, gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease, illness. Verse 2. Here are the names of the 12. And right there in print, in unerasable ink, right there is Judas Iscariot. You can't tear that page out of history and act like it didn't happen. Did you hear what I just said? Gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and heal every kind of disease. And right there is Judas's name. Judas was given that kind of authority and that kind of power. Now think about that. Judas Iscariot. That was the, that was the authority that he was given. Well, what can we learn from that? Matthew 10, 8. Jesus sent them out to heal the sick, to raise the dead, and to cure those with leprosy, cast out demons. Judas, right along with those 11, were given the authority to heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons. Here's our first question today. What did he do with the opportunity that God gave him? I'll take that silence as you're thinking, not that you don't care. What did he do with what was done with the opportunity that he was given? Now think about this with me. Judas saw blind people see. Judas stood right there and he watched a leper cleansed. Lazarus. Come out of there. Judas was standing right there and saw Lazarus walk out of that tomb. Judas was standing right there and saw that. Let's just bring this home. Everybody in here, we've been blessed. We've been abundantly blessed. Those of you who've been in other parts of the world, you've ever been around, I mean, we're blessed. With all that we wish we had and all that we don't have, we're blessed. What are we doing with the opportunities that's been given to us? You know, I can preach a whole sermon right here. What are we doing with the opportunity that's been given to us? We're a spoiled society, to say the least. The fact is, the truth is, never ever has there been a generation in the history of the world that is more abundantly blessed than this generation in here. The quality of life, what we have been afforded, there's been nothing like this in 6,000 years of human history. Without a doubt, all of us have been given many, many, many opportunities in here. Now, as an individual, what are you doing with the opportunities that are available to you? Young people, you got your whole life ahead of you. What are you doing with the opportunities given you? With the opportunities given to you, Right now. Your future's ahead of you. Right now. What are you doing with the opportunities given to you? Just as Jesus, Jesus picked Judas in his era, God has picked you. God has picked you. Acts 17 says, He determined the time you would be born. He determined the boundaries of your habitation. He determined, why weren't you born in Africa? Why weren't you born in Ethiopia? Why, were, why weren't you born in 1800? Why weren't you born? Why were you born in this day and this time? See, he determined this day, this time, this geographical location. He put you right here 
And He's blessed us with opportunities. What are we doing with the opportunities God's given us? God's picked you. God has picked you. You are riding in the boat with Him. You're riding in the boat with Him. He's ever present in your time of trouble. What are you doing? I'm just so worried. I don't know what's going to happen. Oh my gosh, our number's going up. The numbers are going up. He's ever present in your time of trouble. What are you doing with that opportunity? What are you, you got a Bible under your arm and I'm just worried, sick, my God, I don't know what's going to happen. What's going to happen with our kids? I don't know. Are we going to, what's going to happen this next year? You know, if they miss out on their education here, well, we're, he is ever present in your time of trouble. What are you doing with that opportunity? What do you daily do with, see, don't let the opportunity slip through your hand. Don't let opportunities slip through your fingers. Use the power of His presence to bring you a peace that passes all understanding. Put your hand in His hand and allow Him to guide you and direct you and to lead you through this difficult time and the next difficult time and the next difficult time that we'll walk through. We're looking today at lessons from Judas. For those that are just waking up and joining us. John chapter 6 verse 70. Jesus said... I chose the twelve of you, but one of you is a devil. He was speaking of Judas' Iscariot. Judas, according to Jesus, started out as a devil. Judas, according to Jesus, started out as a devil. I want to talk about this for a few minutes because really that's no big deal. So did all the other eleven. They all started out as the devil. Here's the big deal. Judas ended as the devil. He hung around Jesus, but he refused to change. You know, Jesus said, many will cry out, Lord, Lord, and I, depart from me, I never knew you. It's possible for you to come to this church every time the doors open, for you to be in the inner workings of this church, for you to be in the inner circle of this church. Everything that this church does, you can be a part of it and still refuse to change. After being around Jesus, a change began to happen in the other 11. A change began to happen in their life, in their worldview, in the way they lived there. See, a change began to happen. Judas saw everything that Matthew saw. Judas saw all the things that the other 11 disciples saw. But see, he refused to change. Our hanging out with Jesus, our watching Jesus, our going to youth group and being in every youth group that they have is to produce a change in you. Here's the question today. Is your life dramatically different since you started coming to church here? Is your life, let me just ask you, is your vocabulary different than it was? Are the jokes that you tell different than they were? Is what you watch on TV, is where you entertain, is that different than where it was? Since you've been hanging around Jesus, let me ask, the tone of voice that you talk to your wife in, is that different since you've been in church? Do your children have a different father since you started coming to church? A totally different father. 
You teenagers, do your friends at school don't even hardly recognize you anymore? Some people that knew you 10, 15 years ago, if they saw you now, would they even recognize? My life is so dramatically different. I don't know that they'd even know who I was. See, the bottom line, has Jesus made a difference in your life? For 11 of those that were at church every time the doors open, yes, 360 degree different. But for Judas, not one bit of change. Not one bit of change. Matthew 26, Jesus was eating in Bethany, the house of Simon. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over Jesus' head. Judas, as was the others, the Bible uses the word indignant. Indignant. You see, Judas wanted to give Jesus something, just not everything. That was too much. That cost too much. Whoa, that cost. Now, hold on, hold on. See, Judas wanted to give Jesus something, but just not that much. Whoa, that was expensive. We could have fed the poor. We could have, oh, we could have built a new youth building with that money. Hey, we could have bought us a church van with that. See, I want to give Jesus something. I just don't want to give him everything. See, I want to give Jesus something. I don't want to give him everything. I mean, look, I need this, and I want to get that, and I want to do... So I got a lot of other ideas of what my money could have been spent for. Yeah, they, they were fine with the lady coming in and putting a little drop or two on his head, but dumped the whole alabaster box on his head. Well, see, that was too much. Yeah, it gets worse. Verse 8. What a waste. What the disciples said. What a waste. Church today, it's not a waste to pour all of your praise on Jesus. It's not a waste to pour all of your praise. Empty the whole bottle. It's not a waste to pour all of your praise on Jesus and give Him all of your glory. It's not a waste. Judas knew about Jesus, but he didn't know Jesus very interesting very very interesting another dialogue matthew 26 20 when it was evening jesus sat down at the table while eating he said i tell you the truth one of you will betray me verse 22 greatly distressed each one asked in turn am i the one lord am i the one lord each one asked in turn, am I the one, Lord? Interesting, verse 25. Judas also asked, Rabbi, am I the one? Jesus was a good teacher, but he wasn't Judas' Lord. He recognized him as Rabbi. The other 11 recognized him as Lord. Where are we today? Oh, Rabbi, you're wonderful. Oh, Rabbi, you are a great teacher. Are you in here today giving Rabbi glory? Are you in here today giving Jesus the Lordship in your life? Is he Rabbi to you or is he Lord to you? Oh, he's a great teacher. We're one of the best in the world. He was a prophet. He was a great man. He was a great spiritual leader. He was... 
See, Judas, am I the one rabbi? Yeah. The other 11, am I the one Lord? Here's another question for us today. What is Jesus to you? Today, what is Jesus to you? We can be in church every time the doors are open. Judas was with Jesus every day. You can read your Bible. You can read your daily devotion. You can attend women's group. You can attend youth group. And never make Jesus Lord. Judas didn't miss a church service. Judas, right there in the midst of the presence of the Lord Jesus, missed. Missed making him Lord of his life. I want to take you real quick. In just two minutes, I want to give you 4,000 years of history. Remember, God gave the Hebrews, the descendants of Abraham, the Jewish people, Israel, the promised land. Everybody with me? All right, that's the problem. Gave them the promised land. All right, they were in here. They had the promised land. Okay, you remember the prophets, Jeremiah prophesied, the Babylonians are going to come in here and wipe you guys out. Y'all remember that? If you study history, there were four world empires. The Babylonians, they were a world empire. After the Babylonians, Jeremiah, Isaiah, many of the prophets, and they talk about the next world empire. Does anybody know what it was? The Assyrian world empire came in, overthrew Babylon, the Assyrian world empire. So, where is God's people? I mean, they're being walked on. Dispersed, trampled, walked on. They run out of Jerusalem. We burnt down the temple. Okay, so we had the Babylonians. Then we had the Assyrian world empire. The third world empire. Anybody ever read Isaiah? The third world empire was led by Cyrus of Persia. The Persian world empire came in. And overthrew the Assyrians. So we had Babylonians, Assyrians, Persian world empire, and then the fourth world empire. Anybody know what that was? I'll give you a clue. It was the empire that was in charge when Jesus was born. The Roman world empire. Alright, the Roman world empire. Through all of these hundred years, through all of these four empires, the Jewish people continued to believe for a Messiah. See, they were reading prophecies, a Messiah is coming and will set you up as rulers and reigners. A Messiah is coming. A Savior is coming. Watch out for Him. He's going to be riding on a donkey. He's going to come. He's going to reestablish His kingdom. Small misunderstanding. James and John found this out. They started arguing, got their mom in on it. When we get in the kingdom, when the, he's the man. I mean, we got Jesus. Wait, he's born. Look at, hold on. How, look, man, dead people coming out of the tombs and the lepers. Then, no question. He, he, we found him. He's the man. James and John, mom, come over and talk. Go talk to him first. When he gets in his kingdom, hey, right and left, you know, we'll be right up there with him. So now we're jockeying for position. There's no question about it. Jesus is the Messiah. I can see his power. There's no question about it. We're fixing to wipe these Romans off of the map. And we're going to... How many times did Jesus say, my kingdom is not of this world? I'm talking about a new kingdom. Yeah, yeah, good, good. I want to be on your right. I'm talking about a new kingdom. Yeah, that's good. Hey, let's get them. See, I want to be on the... 
So when they come to get Jesus, you remember, pull out the sword. We're ready. See, this is the moment we've been waiting for through four world empires. Okay, back to our story. Judas had a couple of problems. Number one, he did not understand God's plan. He, he didn't get a hold of God's plan. God was using as examples in the Old Testament to show you spiritual truth in the New Testament. Yes, I'm going to give you a promised land. I'm going to give you a land flowing in milk and honey. But it's not in the natural, it's in the spiritual realm. See, here's, you're going to rule and reign. Yes, but it's not in the natural. You're going to rule and reign over depression, over worry, over your temper. See, you're going to rule and reign over hatred, over anger. See, you're going to, in this new kingdom, you're going to rule and reign over bitterness, over unforgiveness. See, but the, the example was the Old Testament showing us a New Testament. Yeah, 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 we got all that. I'm tired of Jesus fooling around. I'm tired of Jesus fooling around. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. New kingdom, new, yeah, okay, let's get them. See, they're convinced of what they think is going to happen in the natural based on history. All right, Judas is seeing all the power that Jesus walked in. He's seeing that. Without a doubt in his mind, Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Savior. Here's the next problem Judas has. Judas has incorrect timing. He's unwilling to allow God to unfold His plan. I'm tired of fooling around. I'm going to force this showdown. I'm tired of fooling with these sick people, lepers and blind people. Come on. Let's take out the Roman army and let's, I'm getting ready. Let's go. So in Judas's mind, I'm going to force God's hand. When you see Jesus say, Lazarus, come out of there and he comes out. When you see a guy born blind from birth and he just spits in his eyes and all of a sudden the guy gets... You've been seeing all of this happen. There's no thought in your mind that Jesus is going to stand there like a lamb and be led to the slaughter. That's, That's not a possible thought in your mind. But he could not understand that Jesus was the perfect sacrificial lamb. See, he didn't understand God's plan and he was unwilling to wait on God's plan to unfold. Sound familiar? I'd like rather talk about Judas as I had to talk about me. Sound familiar to anybody in here? Are you tired of waiting on God? Come on, God, let's come on. Where's my, get my, and so you're going, I'm quitting this job because God's going to bless me. I'm getting me a new job. God's going to bless me. I'm quitting. Are you, are you, are you tired of waiting on God and just staying at that job? Doing what you're supposed to do. See, are, are you tired of waiting on God? Are you going to force God's hand? I listen to people pray. I listen to people talk. I just wish God had come in and just wipe them off of the map. I wish a lighting bolt had just come. I wish God. See, we're going to try to back God in the corner and force God to show out. To do something spectacular. See, I'm going to back God. God, people start not believing in you because you won't. God, if you don't handle this, you know folks won't trust you. God, if you. See, in our prayer, we're going to back God in a corner and make God do something for us. But here's a problem. Number one, you don't fully understand God's plan. And number two, you're rushing things. You've got to walk trusting God and allow God 
in His timing to unfold things in your life. You don't back God in a corner and make Him perform. Matthew 27, 3. When Judas, who had betrayed Him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. I don't want anybody in this house to be filled with remorse at the end of your life. I don't want you to be at the end of your life filled with remorse because of what you thought, what you tried to make happen, and what you wanted to happen, and what you didn't have happen. So Judas took 30 pieces of silver back. And he said, I betrayed an innocent man. In verse 5, Judas threw the silver coins down the temple, and he went out and hanged himself. Write this down if you're taking notes. The thing that you're willing to take for losing Jesus, you will eventually lose. What are you trading Jesus for right now? You're trading him for this. You're trading for that. Here's what I'm telling you. You'll eventually lose that. What are you trading? What are you selling out Jesus in your own life for right now? Whatever that is... You can know you will eventually lose that. It's not going to bring lasting happiness. It's not going to bring fulfillment in your life. It's not going to do what you... See, 30 pieces of silver, boy, what I could do with 30 pieces, that's not going to do in your life what you wanted it to do in your life. And the thing that you are trading Jesus for right now, you will eventually lose and you will end up being filled with remorse. We're just talking today about lessons from Judas's life. Matthew 27, 3, Judas was filled with remorse. When you realize that you have missed an opportunity, when you realize that God picked you and you did nothing with it, when you realize that you were right there and you were just too stubborn to change, when you realize that you were more worried about money than praising Him. When it becomes obvious to you that Jesus was rabbi to you your whole life, but He was never Lord of your life, and now you've made a mess of your whole life, the end of your life, you will be filled with remorse. We're just looking at lessons from Judas's life today, and I want you to know it's no fun being filled with remorse. Hold on to your position. God's called you. God has a plan for you. Hold on to it. Through all of the temptations, through all of the other things that come into your life, hold on to your position with God. Hold on to the... Revelations 3.11. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. Acts chapter 1 verse 26. Judas was replaced with Mathis. And life went right on without him. Hold on. Don't, don't, don't let life go on without you. Fulfilling what God's got for you. You know, I begin to think about all that Judas could have been. And all that he could have done. You know, he betrayed him. Jesus hung on the cross. That was all a part of God's plan. But at the foot of the cross, Judas could have come and knelt down. And said, Father, forgive me. And instantly he would have received forgiveness. 
He could have written two-thirds of the New Testament. Think about what he could have taught us about the Old Covenant and the transfer into the New Covenant. Think about all that Judas could have contributed to the world for the rest of the history of the world. We could still be reading Judas's writings, but even to the very end, he refused to bow his knee at the foot of the cross and make a change in his life. Today, as we're looking back in history and seeing Judas, it's first thing in our mind is when you mention his name, it's horrible. The hurt that he caused, the pain that he caused, the loss that he caused. Boy, we have no need to remember him and we have no need to mention his name. But history is the greatest teacher in life. We learn from it so that we don't repeat the same mistakes. Today, are we wanting to take Judas just out of our history book? Or are we willing to learn from his life so that we don't make the same mistakes that he made? Could we go back and look at his life and the horrible mistakes that he made and that benefit us, that strengthen us, so that we in our own life today don't repeat the very same mistakes that he did? A horrible man Judas was. A horrible man. What lessons can we learn? Judas lived and firsthand saw the kingdom of God. Saw firsthand what God was doing on this earth. But he could not make the change from the natural to the spiritual in his life. According to Jesus, Judas started out as a devil. And that's really no big deal. The big deal was he ended as the devil. He ended his life as the devil. Our band to just come. We're going to wrap this thing up today. Band, y'all come. It's not the fact in life that you started out as a devil. I want everybody to listen to this. Jesus said Judas started out as a devil. It's not the fact that you started out as the devil. Jesus chose him anyway. Tim, you don't know what I've done. You don't know my past. Tim, this church would fall in if anybody here found out what I did. Jesus chose Judas anyway. He picked you. You weren't perfect. fact is, you were just an out-and-out devil. You was a devil. You were the black sheep of your family. You was a devil. i got news for you. Jesus picked you anyway. Jesus picked you anyway. Now... Now, you're in church. Don't refuse to change. Now, you're walking with Jesus. Don't refuse to change. Let's let these lessons in Judas's life speak to us today. Y'all stand with me. Come on, I just want to pray for just a minute here. Everybody, God, thank you for picking me. Thank you for picking me. Come on, thank him. God, thank you. While I was yet a sinner, you picked me. All over this place. God, thank you for picking me. Thank you, Lord, for picking me. God, thank you for the opportunities in life you've given me. Come on, thank God for the opportunities that he's given you. Right now, today, God, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll be who you want me to be. God, I desire change. 
I don't want to act like I do. I don't want to talk like I talk. I don't want to think like I think. God, change me. Change me. Who in here wants God to change? Raise your hand. God, change me. God, change me. Change me. Lord, I don't want to act like, I don't want to think these thoughts. I don't want to have these thoughts in my mind. Change me. Change me. Today, right now, today, I pour out my praise on you. Not just a little bit of it, but all of it. I pour out my praise on you. I pour out my praise on you. Today, Lord, I recognize you as the great teacher. But right now, I submit to you as Lord. You obviously recognize Jesus as the great teacher. You wouldn't be in church today. I recognize you as the great teacher. But I want to make you Lord of my life. I want to make you Lord of my life. Maybe you've been in church your whole life. And you've never made Jesus Lord. Father, right now, I move you from being rabbi and teacher only. I move you to being Lord of my life. I move you to being Lord of my life. Lord, you take my finances. You take my entertainment. You take my temper. You take my anger issue. Lord, you take it all. I give it all to you. Now you, Lord, use me to bring you glory and honor. Use me, Lord. I submit my life to you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.